Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Because remember when we were speaking last week, after, after the triumphal entry, the Pharisees said to, themself, said to themselves, Look, the world has gone after him. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. These Greeks had heard of Jesus, perhaps of his reputation as a teacher and a worker of miracles. What they did know of Jesus made them want to know more about him. So they came to Philip, who was the one disciple with a Greek name, asking to see Jesus. At least twice before, Jesus said that the time was not ready. It appears that he took this seeking interest of Gentiles as a signal that now the hour had come that the Son of Man should be glorified. It was time for Jesus to make the final sacrifice. Now let's join Pastor Rob. All right, good morning. If you could open your Bibles to John chapter 12. We're going to finish the chapter, Lord willing, today. Last week we looked at the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem, fulfilling a prophecy that had been over 550 years before Jesus was born. And we looked at Daniel chapter 24 through 27, which is really the the outline, if you will, of end-time events. And in fact, it's that verse that really all the other end-time prophecies in the Bible are really framed around because it's so clear the timeline that God gives for the end-time events. And and I love that, that God didn't just set us into the world and, and, and put his spirit into us and said, okay, kids, go and have fun. No, he, he made sure that we understood what was coming because we're here for a purpose, right? We're here to warn people and also to encourage them. To encourage them to consider Jesus Christ as we have. And thank God that he has saved us. Aren't you glad that you're saved? Aren't you glad that he loves you in spite of everything that you are and in your mistakes, even your sin that maybe you even committed today? Obviously, we don't set out to do those things. But when we do, we have an advocate in heaven. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's our advocate. He's our mediator. And so we can trust in him for all things. And so be encouraged in that. And so when we looked at that, uh, it was a pretty fascinating prophecy. Um, and, and, and someone in the, uh, Sir Robert Anderson actually, and, and, and another gentleman that, I, that uh, I'm aware of, um, was really the, the foundation of that whole thing, meaning they, they discovered this prophecy and they, they did the math and, and they figured it out. And, and the Bible says in Daniel that in the last days that knowledge would increase, that people will go to and fro, 
and that knowledge of the scriptures would increase, and it truly is happening. The, the closer we get to Jesus' return for the church, um, the more things, he, he's opening things, and he's just continually peeling this onion for us and for the world to see, just to herald his, his arrival. And, and uh, so be thankful for that. So we looked at that last week, and then we got down through verse 19, now, if you look at your Bibles, you notice that 19, verse 19, goes right into verse 20. And we know that there are a couple of events. If we look at a, a chronology or a, a harmony of the Gospels, there are some events that take place in between certain sections in the Bible. So when you look at the Gospels, understand that they are a, um, they can fit together like a puzzle if you take them all into account. And, and men have done that. And, and they've come to figure out there is a chronology to this. And they were able to fit the jigsaw puzzle together. And it's so wonderful to get a harmony of the Gospels and read things chronologically. And what that does is it takes all four Gospels and just kind of lays them out that way. And so between verses 19 and 20, there are two events that aren't recorded here, but they're recorded in Matthew and also in Mark's Gospel. And they are the Jesus cursing the fig tree. You remember that he cursed the fig tree. And uh, the next day he saw there was no leaves on it, no figs, and his disciples were in awe of that. And also Jesus cleansing the temple. Jesus, when, he, when his ministry first began, he started off with cleansing the temple. And then immediately after his triumphal entry, the, the very next day he goes back into Jerusalem, and it's not recorded uh, in, in, in here but it is in Mark and Matthew, and it says that Jesus went in there to cleanse the temple a second time before his crucifixion. And isn't it amazing? The first time he comes, he has to cleanse the temple from all of its, uh, you know, what started off as something so uh, innocent or should have been innocent and pure. Man got a hold of it and turned it into something. It became a house of merchandise rather than a house of prayer. And Jesus upbraided them for that. And so... It's amazing how things start, and then once man gets comfortable in the routine of religion, he starts to make up his own rules. No longer is it about God, it becomes about me and, and my experience in it. And that's always a danger. And that's the state of Israel during the time that we're reading now in Jesus' time. And so Jesus, he comes in and he cleanses the temple the second time, just days before they would finally say, you know what, that's it. And that's really what happened. When he came in, he rode in on the donkey, fulfilling the prophecies that he held them accountable for. And then when he went in the next day to cleanse the temple from all of its chicanery and all of its bribery and all of its uh, worthless stuff, the Pharisees, the religious leaders says, you know what, we've had enough of this guy. We're going to kill him. We're going to put him to death. And that's exactly what they conspired to do. They just couldn't handle it anymore. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. They're like, the Rubicon in their heart had been crossed. We're going we're to go after him. And, that, and go after him they did. And do you think that was any surprise to Jesus? No. He knew that that is exactly what would happen. You can't pull the wool over God's eyes. All right? He is the shepherd. You can't pull the wool over his eyes. He's the one who controls history. In fact, it's his story. It doesn't belong to us. It's his, his story. And so he's the one who is the mover and the shaker, not anybody in the Middle East, nobody in, in the world. 
He is the mover and the shaker. And I love that about him. And aren't you glad you're on his side? I am. I'm really glad. And it's okay to make a little noise. It's okay. <laughs> so let's read now. Um, so those two things ha- have happened, the, the fig tree being uh, shriveling up and then the cleansing of the temple. And then right in verse 20, it picks up right after that. And it says, now there were certain Greeks among those who came to worship at the feast. And then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. And Philip came and told Andrew. And in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus... But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came into this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered, and others said an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted high, lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. And this he said, signifying by what death he would die. And the people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever, and how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? And Jesus answered to them and said to them, A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. And he who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. And while you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, and here's the quote from Isaiah 53, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, and lest they should understand with their hearts, and turned so that I should heal him. And these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. And so we see Israel living in unbelief. They were spiritually blind. And spiritual blindness is something that happens even today. You You can follow, you can call yourself a Christian, but if you're not really fellowshipping with Jesus, if you're not really born again, you are spiritually blind. You don't understand the things that are happening. Uh, Do you remember when you first gave your heart to Christ and as you started reading the Bible, all of a sudden it just came to life? It's like, and that happened to me. Perhaps you had the same experience. I had read it before and I grew disinterested in it. I didn't understand it. I just, I read it and I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, good for you. (laughs) Didn't mean anything to me. And all of a sudden the spirit of God indwells me and everything is just leaping off the page. And I'm just like, I can't read it enough. I almost failed my senior year in college because my, 
my, my major was changing. I was going for classical guitar performance. I was a classical guitar player, and that was my goal in life. And the Lord's going, oh, I got something different for you. So my major was changing underneath, and, and, and what an awkward timing, too. Because I was losing heart in what I was doing, and I was gaining a, a great enjoyment and, uh, with the Lord and His Word and just growing and loving it and just loving it. And I would encourage you to continue loving the Word of God. If, you're, if you struggle with it, just pray. Say, Lord, open my heart, open my mind, and give me that joy again of my salvation and, and help me to love your Word again. And he'll, he'll do that. He'll do that. And just get alone with him. Just get alone with him. But let's, let's look back at verse 20, because there's a lot here. And so we're going to be talking about, as we go, get into this, we're going to be looking at blindness, spiritual blindness. So this is in verse 20, there was a certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. And obviously the feast that's being spoken of is the Passover feast. It was the very last of three Passovers that Jesus uh, had during his ministry and his final one. It would just be days from here that he would be uh, wrongfully uh, arrested and crucified. But you remember what Jesus said and, and underline the word Greeks in this because the prophecy of God is already starting to begin to be fulfilled because notice uh, what it says in John chapter 10. You can put this footnote off the side of your Bible because uh, Jesus said in John 10, verse 15, As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And notice, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. And them I must also bring, and they will hear my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. It's speaking of the church, made up of Jew and Greeks, or Jew and Gentile. So already... Jesus is drawing people, even, he had the Jews there, unfortunately, they, they weren't listening, but the Greeks, the Jews, or the Gentiles, excuse me, they would hear, and they were coming already to find out who this one was, and so the Lord's prophecy is beginning to come to fruition, and you and I, most of us are Gentiles in this room, and, and we're a, a part of this prophecy, a fulfillment of that prophecy, you're here, I'm a Gentile, Hallelujah. So it was, it was uh, significant. And, and so verse 2, it says, Then they came to Philip, who was uh, from Bethsaida. And Bethsaida, remember, is that village on the northeastern side of the Sea of Galilee. And, uh, and it says that, um, and they asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. You know, and I underline that. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Because remember when we were speaking last week, after the triumphal entry, the Pharisees said to, themselves, said to themselves, look, the world has gone after him. And sir, we would see Jesus. Would to God that people sought Jesus? He is the solution. He is the, the author and the finisher of your faith. He is your savior. He is your creator. Why wouldn't you want to know the one that you're going to spend an eternity with? And why wouldn't you want to know the one whom you ultimately will stand before, the judge of all the earth, and I want to be on his side? Yes, out of fear. <laughs> one of the things that brought me to Christ initially was fear, because I was going to hell. And I knew I was going to go to hell if I died. But aren't you glad for his wonderful, magnanimous grace, where he just reaches into your heart and just melts you. And then you know you're no longer, you're no longer bent I'm going to that place. You're not going to that place anymore once you're born again. You're, 
you're safe in his arms. Like that sheep, that, hold, that shepherd that holds the sheep that has run away, he holds it in his arms and he takes it back to the fold. And we are that, those people. But would to God that more people desire to see him because there's no one who can reconcile you back to God the Father. Jesus, the mediator, he is the only one. And you know, different people have different motives for wanting to see Jesus. Some truly want to seek him for salvation and to have a relationship with him, while others just want to see a miracle. They just want to have him to do something for him. You know, it's sort of like when a relative becomes rich. You know, they win the Powerball. And all of a sudden, all the relatives are calling up, Hey, what's happening? Yeah, 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 my car broke down, yeah. Yeah, it broke down. But, you know, I got this, my eyes on this uh, Land Rover. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thanks. You know, and so we, they, they come to him for wrong motives. They just want something from them. They want to receive some miracle. They want to be uh, tickled. And you remember that this was nothing new because when Jesus stood before Herod, Herod Antipas, what happened? Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad for he had desired, notice, for a long time to see him. He sought him too for the right reasons. He wanted to see him because he had heard many things about him and hoped to see some miracle done by him. He wanted, his, he wanted to be tickled. He wanted to be entertained. Entertain me, Jesus. And Jesus will not entertain you. He will love you, and he will save you, and he will encourage you, but he's not there to entertain. So are you seeking the Lord for salvation and forgiveness? And I say that to the, 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 the choir, because most of you are say amen, and I know that, but there are others who will be listening. Are you seeking him for salvation and forgiveness, or just to get out of the mess that you're currently in, or to have him fix your marriage? Or to have him fix your financial situation because of the stress that you're in. Lord, just fix my marriage. Fix that woman that you gave me, Lord. Or, Lord, fix that husband who's just a rotten tyrant. Fix him, Lord, and then I'll come to you. I'll do anything you want. Just fix that man. Before I drown him in the pool. Right? (laughs) What are you seeking Jesus for? And why is it? And there's nothing wrong with asking for those things. But some people have selfish motives. Some people see him as a talisman for good luck or some kind of lucky rabbit's foot. You know, if I just rub this thing hard enough, God, just help me out. Help me out here. You know, and you, you pull the rabbit's foot out. He, he's not going to adhere to any of that. He is not any of those things. He is your Lord and Savior, and we should treat him and respect him as such and honor him, worship him. So verse 22, Philip came to him uh, came to, and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Remember, there is a time that it wasn't his, or I'm sorry, there, there was a time that it wasn't his hour, and then there was a time when it was his hour. And obviously we're not talking about a 60-minute Hour. We are talking about an indeterminate amount of time that really spanned a, a number of days. A few days at the very least. We see that in John chapter 7. Remember, there was a time, it wasn't his time. 
Early in his ministry, it says, Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. Not a 60-minute hour, but his time when he would come to save and, and to pay the price, the penalty for sin on the cross for you and I. And then in John chapter 8, verse 19, what does it say? And, they, and, the, and the Pharisees, speaking to Jesus, they said, Well, where is your father? And Jesus said, answered them, You know neither me nor my father. For if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And these words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And notice, and no one laid hands on him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. But yet, in this verse, here in verse 23, it says, my hour has come. We also see it, we're going to see, uh, after we get through uh, John chapter 12, we get into the very last supper, just hours away. From what we're reading now. In John chapter 13, at that Last Supper, what did Jesus tell his disciples? It says, Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father. And then in John chapter 17, at the end of that Last Supper, hours that he spent with his disciples that night before he was finally arrested and crucified, what did it say? In his high priestly prayer, Jesus spoke these words in John 17, verse 1. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, and yet your Son may also glorify you. There was a time, and the time was now. There was a time when it wasn't, but now there is a time that it is, the hour. In verse 24, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Much grain. We know this, that when a grain of wheat falls into the ground, what does it do? It falls on the ground, it dies, and then it begins to germinate in the ground, and it produces more grain. That's the way it works. There has to be a death before there can be life. And Jesus' death and resurrection, well, he would be the first fruits of what would happen to us later on. In fact, we still are awaiting that resurrection. That resurrection. Jesus was the first fruits when he died on the cross and, was, and rose again. But then we know that there's coming a time it could happen today, and I hope it does, before I even say another word. That he would come for us and we will meet him in the clouds. Our bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And there's also another resurrection at the end of the great tribulation period, the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ. But Jesus' death and resurrection, he was the grain of wheat that would fall into the ground and it would produce more grain. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you recall this chapter. I'd encourage you to read it. It says in verse 20, But now Christ is risen from the dead. He died. His grain, if you will, went into the ground. But now he and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep or those who have died. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Notice that. Christ, the firstfruits, and then those who are Christ at his coming. That's you and I and those at the end of the tribulation period. 
And then in verse 35 of that same chapter, he says, But someone will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body will... That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.